You can measure anything. The podcast shares conversations to help you clarify unclear concepts so that you can develop better measures that lead to better decisions. Let's get started. According to Steve Forbes, your brand is the single most important investment you can make in your business. But before I make an investment, how do I know what I should be looking for? Does a company make the brand or does the brand make the company? How can I build a strong brand? How do I know the brand message is saying the right things about my business? For answers to these questions and more, today we are exploring the concept of a brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome to You Can Measure Anything, the podcast. I'm Nicole Aliotto, CEO of Alibrava Consulting, and I'm joined today by one of my very favorite people, Beth Carr, Chief Clarity Officer of Fortified Branding. Welcome, Beth. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> so excited to have you here. I've been thinking about having you on since we started a whole what, five months, four months ago. It's been been a journey already. Yeah, and a fast one. I I feel like it's been a bullet train and that we've known each other so much longer than that. Oh, yes. Well, we go back about a year. The podcast is about four months, but we've covered a lot of ground, just like we're going to do in this podcast today. Yeah, it was smooth, wasn't it? That was kind of smooth. So before we get into the topic today, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Fortified Branding? Yeah, so I have had an 18-year career in corporate where I helped build shape, name, grow many different brands from well-known names like Nestle, where I was on teams of marketers and communicators to startups, to scaling businesses and biotechs, life sciences. Um, And within that, I was normally a leader, creative director, a VP of marketing in these roles. And as I would grow these brands and help them also garner more millions of investment money or scaling or being able to set it up to sell, it, I, it was really a true joy. One of the things though underlying all of that was how do I get to do this for many more, especially the incredible female entrepreneurs that are out there that may not have the same budget as these powerhouse companies do. Mm-hmm. And that also informed me after being laid off every 18 months consecutively over a almost five and a half year range in my career, I decided, you know, it is time for me to serve many instead of one and be able to help all these incredible executives, entrepreneurs, and scaling businesses that are really out there changing the world because I believe the small businesses are the cogs of our economy. How do I help them amplify their stories, both visually and verbally, so they can grow in a way that helps them change their lives and then ultimately their communities? Mm-hmm. I love that. Going from the one to many, I think that's why many of us get into entrepreneurship and starting our own businesses. So how long have you been Fortified Branding? Yes. So I opened Fortified Branding in February of 2020, weeks before we were oh, boy. <laughs> And I have wow. to say, you know, during really hard times, 
you know, it is like that analogy you hear about the diamond, that diamonds are formed in really high, incredible temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Of course, there's these moments where you overcome your fear and stepping into that vision you've set. But because of the pandemic, I actually was able to start to serve these clients that I've dreamed of. Mm. Some of the first were in the beauty space where they had brick and mortar stores, where they were stuck in very high rent in very expensive Mm. urban settings and had to flip to e-commerce experiences. But because of my experiences in corporate serving all these incredible companies, I knew how to take a brick and mortar and flip them flip them to e-commerce and help them with content strategy and messaging and brand strategy and then marketing to that. It was an incredible, it was a perfect cocktail during a time where there was a storm happening outside at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of us experienced that and it just you know, it makes you learn to be very flexible and, and creative and figure out how you're going to navigate those storm waters. Here we are. Yeah. And I, think, I think it really, it just, it's, I think it's shifted how leaders are able to approach the world where I think to be a very successful leader heading a company, whether you are a solopreneur or whether you have a team of 50 or 5,000, you need to have that flexibility and be able to pivot to stay into in relevance in this current time where there's just so many different fluxes that historically our country hasn't experienced in a long time or ever. Absolutely. So um, I know you've got some theater background. How does that fit into all of this <laughs> going on? Well, that was a prior life where I was a performer from the age of two, went to one of the top universities in, in acting, which was Boston University, where I minored in psychology moved to New York, was a working New York actor who also had a stint, very short stint on Broadway and off, off, off Broadway. And what I think has been really incredible with that is it helped inform how to tell stories and give me the tools to do so in a way that connects to audiences, hearts and minds. So I believe nothing is for naught. Everything flows into other things and your skills that you may not realize you're learning or exercising can feed into many other things. So I'm very grateful for that prior lifetime and that prior career because now I'm able to tap into these brands inner monologues and understand how is this a character? What is the persona of your brand, which is very similar to what is the character that you're playing in that commercial film on stage, et cetera. That's fascinating. Thinking of brand as a persona kind of uh, connects to this next question that I have for you. Because when I think about branding, I usually think about big companies. You mentioned Nestle. I think about the big companies, or I might think about celebrities and influencers and they're promoting their brand, so to speak. So why might branding be important for the the rest of us who, you know, we're not these big celebrities or influencers and not the, the Nestle's of the world. So what does it mean for, you know, less solopreneurs or small businesses or, you know, just anyone? 
I love this question so much because I think there are some myths around what is branding, what is brand, do I need branding? So in this current day and age, everyone is at least a personal brand if you are not building and creating a company slash brand. Um, and with that, what does that really mean? Branding, really, everyone needs it. And it doesn't matter how, if you're an influencer, congratulations. If you're a big company, congratulations. But most of us are moving through the world, stepping into visibility because of the new era of social media and video so easily accessed from our phone with you know high definition. Um, and with that, I always encourage people to think of branding as a person itself. So if it's your personal brand, how do you want people to feel, think, how do you talk? What is your tone, your voice? How do you dress? It's the same thing with an actual company. Think of your company as a person. What is the halo effect in meeting your products, your services, your offers? Um, and how do you want to leave your audience feeling and thinking about their experience with you? Because of that, when you intentionally set up your brand, you're intentionally grounding yourself in a way to tell your audiences what you would like them to do and how you would like them to feel. Ultimately, it's up to your audience. That's where, you know, we, we hear this maybe sometimes. Well, what is your cust what is the customer journey when interacting with your company? So if your company, for example, offers life coaching, that's wonderful. They are interacting with maybe you or maybe a team of life coaches that you've brought on. But what if your customer service is really bad? So you even work on the brand, how, how the messaging is, how you're making people feel, what is the interactivity, whether it's digital or a mailer or an email, right? How are people experiencing you from their point of view? That All of that is burned. And that's why it's so important to check every aspect of how you serve your company and or if you're a personal brand, how do you move through the world in a way that represents the heart of your brand? You got me thinking, it's got to be challenging. I, as a solopreneur, so to speak, you know, when I think about the Olive Ravey brand, it's so tied into, I feel like my personality and what I want to portray. However, something like a big corporation, how, gosh, how do you go about summarizing that up as a person. <laughs> I think about these huge companies and you know multi-states, multi-countries, how does that scale down to kind of that persona? Yeah. I mean, that's where companies that really understand the importance of brand work very, very hard on also employee branding. They work very hard on onboarding where you're from the moment somebody is uh, looking to apply to a job at your company, you are very clear on your mission, your vision, values, who will do well in a, a big company like yours. And then once they're inside, how do you continuously nurture their learning? How do leaders 
constantly express and remind teams of the vision and the mission. Um, that even comes to like, what's on the walls? Are, is your vision and mission all over the walls? Do you have a tagline that makes people feel fire in their belly? What are the other KPIs that they are shooting for? What are those numbers? How are they rewarded and reminded? Uh, what is customer success look like on the other side? What is the transformation? Um, so it's really important. When, when I rebranded a, it was a medium-sized company that I helped set up to sell for over a hundred million dollars in 2017, I helped them do a full rebrand, a refresh of their brand. It was really important that a lot of the work that was initially done was everyone internally, all the people who had a veto or a vote who were heading up teams, that they were a part of developing their, the messaging, developing, re-dusting uh, off the core values and the mission. That was so important because then you're bringing along the internal important cogs within your company. Everyone's on board. So by the time you launch in a new refresh of your brand, Everyone internally understands the importance of it, and then they embody it with pride because they were a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that then reflects even, I mean, part of the education I would give um, in employee branding was, if you're we wearing a piece of swag, the backpack, the t-shirt, <laughs> the headphones, whatever it is, you are representing the company, even if it's on a Sunday and you're at a barbecue, mm -hmm. you have to embody the brand that you reflect on our part of. Mm -hmm. I would say even without swag, again, as humans, people remember humans who make them feel good. People like people who are like them. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. How do you want to reflect? Now, I'm not saying be fake, but I am saying be, be aware. There are going to be moments. Uh, I mean, I'll admit it. I think I'm a very kind human and I'm a fountain. I love pouring into people, but if I'm driving and someone cuts me off and I'm really <laughs> tense, sometimes I don't have a lot of grace. I will curse <laughs> oh my and goodness. be really mad at the <laughs> car that almost created a car accident. Right. So, uh -huh. um, you can't be fake and not be authentic in your day, but I think the personal brand, the awareness of interacting with people, or when you're in a big public space, let's just say it's the grocery store. Hmm. You may not be aware, but there's someone somewhere else who might be viewing you, treating people a certain way that may make a, a memory in their minds. And the next time they run into you, maybe online, they'll be like, wait, wasn't that that person in the grocery store? Hmm. Right. So really important to just have that awareness of how do you want your brand to be experienced? in every single aspect of your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a definite challenge when you get to be those mid to large and international companies, mm -hmm. you know, the swag is one thing, but carrying that mission and onboarding, you know, all of the things that you said just resonate with a lot of the public sector agencies that we work with, you know, what is that identity? What is that? Uh, what, what does that institution represent and how does everyone know what that is and embrace it in their day to day? So I, I loved how you explained that. I think that resonates with so many different companies. How do we know 
that the brand is strong. We think about strong branding and, um, and is it the same as brand identity? When I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm, I'm almost saying strong brand identity and strong brand, but I'm not sure. Are, mm. are they the same or are they different? Help. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love this. And actually it's like multiple questions. So I hope I, I talk about the different aspects. I love what you just asked. So one brand identity is a building block within side building your brand. Gotcha. It is a building block. Think of it as your, the work that you do to build your brand is like building a house. So the foundation, what you lay uh, first is the architecture itself, the North compass. We sometimes call it internally. That's your mission, vision, values, promise, your differentiator, your purpose. Sometimes those are things you keep internally, which tie back to what I was saying about employee branding. And sometimes those are the things that actually reflect out, especially now the trend is a lot of buyers, younger buyers wanna know philanthropically how you are helping improve the world. And therefore mm. they wanna know what your mission is. And if they if it aligns with their mission as well in the world, then they're gonna to wanna to do more buying from you or services or exchange mm. with you. Uh, another building block is brand position. So what are the psychographics and demographics of your audience? Understanding that, understanding your competitors, doing what we sometimes hear as a SWOT analysis. What are the strengths, weaknesses, et cetera, right? And Love being a good SWOT. <laughs> right? And then what are the differentiators that make you different from other people who stand in the marketplace? Uh, there's also then brand persona and archetype, which actually is the brick um, that you first want to lay on that foundation, that brand position is a little bit later. So mm -hmm. I would say it's foundation, then it's brand archetype. There are archetypes are based on um, very old ways of telling stories, but you have these main characters um, that have certain aspects and essences about them. And when you identify what kind of archetype your brand is, it really helps you elevate how your brand would express everything, mm -hmm. the way they communicate. For example, if you are the lover archetype and you're a chocolate company, <laughs> then you, or you're a chocolate company, therefore you might be the lover archetype. And so with that communication, the way the words that you're using are ones that invite someone, the audience, that consumer to really tap into all their desires, to tap mm. into the sensuality of taste, of sight, mm. smell, right? So there's certain words that you would use, and there's a certain voice that you would use with a chocolate company versus maybe um, a, a company that sells motor oil right? <laughs> There's also then brand identity, what you're saying. That's another mm -hmm. building block. So how do you take that personality, that voice, that tone and start to visually express what your brand then represents? So again, if we go along with that archetype, the lover archetype, which might be that chocolate company, how do you express a an invitation that compels the consumer to feel seduced into wanting to have chocolate. 
how does it visually look? What is the visual story? What are the mm. colors? What is the font? What uh, does the logo look like? What is the, maybe the icon, which can represent something like we now see in things like Instagram, where you have the itty bitty circle, like what does that represent, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then there's the messaging, right? That gets layered. Actually, I would say it's like a matching kind of twins, right? Where they're body and shadow. And that is your brand communication, your messaging. So what are the specific words? What is the story that you are telling that invites your customers in as the hero where you're the guide? What is your mm -hmm. tagline? What is your name for that matter? Uh, brand naming is really important. Mm -hmm. And then what are the key phrases? Um, so that was one part of your question. <laughs> yeah. The other part was really now, how do we know that we have, um, a strong brand? I, if we want to measure the strength yeah. of it, maybe we think our brand is weak or we want it to be stronger. So, you know, what is the continuum? How do we yeah. know we're making progress? Yes. And that, that's actually one of our favorite parts when we already, when we're approached and start to work with an already established brand. And I know this is one of your favorite words. We, we do surveys. We do research. Yes, we indeed. Do, <laughs> mm -hmm. We do a lot of SWOT analysis. We do a lot of measurement of what is, what is the word on the street? There are an incredible different tools, as well as just the magic of the Googles, where you can start to find out and collect a lot of information about what the, the industry that field looks like where your brand stands. But there's a lot of surveying, whether it's um, a live one-on-one uh, -on -one question, question and answer, whether it is a, a, a type form style survey, whether it is a group research um, forum where you have many different identities within a room who have volunteered or get paid to be there for a day to talk about products or services or perception, right? But that's how you measure. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other measurement really, again, because of the miracle of email tools and social media tools, and even uh, ways of tagging your website and putting links um, within the back end of a link, you're able to start measuring interest, mm. impressions, engagement, um, reshares, reposts, open rate, click rate, mm. um, visitors, followers, all those metrics are really, really important. And it's also really important to figure out like, where do you create that dashboard? It might be an Excel sheet where it's manual. It might be a tool that helps do that for you automatically. But that's how you also start to measure how well is my brand doing? And did I, did I nail it? If you have, if you are constantly doing really well with messaging and you get the feedback from one of those pieces, one of those forms of input of information where you're receiving back findings and you see that your messaging is on point and maybe the feedback is, yeah, I really dig what you do, but I hate going online and trying to do anything in your portal, let's just say. <laughs> well, then it has to do with your design, right? Your user experience, maybe your brand identity. Maybe you have a really bad name, mm. which it's hard to understand, or it's named after something that makes no sense. That's not even connected to what you do. Mm -hmm. So it really, it really depends. 
on so many different factors. That's why bringing in experts like you at Ala Breve, like us at Fortified Branding are really important because we all, we've done it so many times. We already can start to draw you a map to understand mm. you're on the path or in the woods. <laughs> on the path or in the woods. <laughs> Sometimes you, you kind of navigate, you're kind of in and out, you're kind of, you know, recalibrating your compass, so to speak. I, I, yes. I think about uh, naming Ala Breve. And you know, for those of you who haven't, um, haven't seen some of the posts we've done, but Ala Breve is a musical term for cut time. And it was purposeful to pick Ala Breve as our name because we cut time with analytics and doing the things with data that a lot of people don't like to do that we love to do. So you could spend more time uh, with your insights. And I've had so many over the years when we were first getting started, people would call me Allah thinking that's my name. I said, no, I is purposefully not the name of the company because it's not just me. It is a company. It's not a person and trying to, to navigate that. So even if you have a solid name that represents the brands educating your public, so to speak, uh, to make sure that that's clear, that it's not just a mistake or awkward, but if it's designed for a purpose, that the purpose is clearly communicated. Would that be, did I, would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely, Nicole. And I think that's where, if you have a name that you know expresses one thing, right? Here's a la breve. It's a term that's in music. It's incredible, but maybe not everyone knows. Well, when we developed a tagline collaboratively, analytics mm-hmm. with answers, then people now start to make a connection. Oh, that's what it is. And then when you, then you do the messaging on your website, for example, that then talks about what you do for organizations mm-hmm. through finding those answers. Now they got it. So sometimes it is not just um, one spear, but you need a tripod to be able to express what your company does. And that's okay. Not everyone's going to get it at once. Mm -hmm. And actually, I mean, I mean, let's think about it. Let's go back to the days when Google first came about. People were like, Mm -hmm. what is that? Right. Right. It's a number. It's it's mathematical. We go back to the source. Right. (laughs) Right. But then when they were first talking about Google, it was the, you know, the new search engine that has the world's libraries and information in it, right? So you have, you a lot of times have to create more strategic messaging and words to illustrate to your audience who you are and what you do. It still can be pithy. It still should have clarity. You don't have to be cute. Actually, if you do get cute, some people get lost. So you want to just be really clear, mm. um, but it's sometimes more than just a name that will tell your audience who you are and what you do and how you're going to help them solve their problems. You segue perfectly into where I was going to go with this because the name could question whether or not you've got the right you know, brand approach to, to what you want to communicate. And thinking about the brand being um, the right one for one's business, sometimes the name is the first stop <laughs> that one has to reflect upon. Mm-hmm. But even you know, color palettes, we see so many 
brands over the years, they've evolved their fonts. And I've seen a lot of posts about the, the font changes that sometimes are, are now everybody looks like they have the same font instead of yes. having a little flavor in their the fonts. Unbranding. The, yeah, unbranding. the unbranding. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, even colors, you know, I, I know that that was a big part of, of working with you and your team and switching because my original color palette was a safe one that was very education-y black and white chalkboard feel. And that was for purpose at that time, but I, it really didn't reflect me and the brand that I wanted to portray to others. And that this is exciting stuff. Like what we do is fun. It's got energy. It's going to invigorate your business, your company, your organization. And it really didn't come through in the color and the font and all of those components. So when we look at that, you know, I, I spent a lot of time and, you know, we've spent a lot of time together working on that. How, how would someone know that the brand isn't right for their business? The brand, or you mean the colors? Well, I, I think about all of the elements that represent one's brand. And it might be, you know, the name is one that if it's really off and, and people are confused, it, that might be an easy and obvious one. But things like your font, your color palette, some of your messaging, all of those components that help build what that brand is. How, how does one determine how do you know? that yeah. they're not going in the right direction? Yeah, if you are... I would, one, the first step is, and I would encourage all of you to try this, when you're at the next networking experience, even if, again, it goes back to the barbecue and your neighbor's aunt's like, so what do you do, right? Even that, <laughs> if you have to over-explain what you do or what your company is, or they kind of space out, don't care, go look for the, you know, um, I don't know, <laughs> slaw, then start to just pay attention and take note that something's not hitting mm. curiosity and interest that in itself is a form of measurement mm -hmm. it is one of a personal measurement, but it's really important. Start to just take note. Um, another way is when it comes to colors, the psychology and colors. Mm -hmm. Again, that's where a brand expert comes in who has been trained in color psychology, which I was. There are certain colors that are associated with a reactionary way of making an audience feel or even have a, a certain mindset. So mm. for example, the reason why red and orange and yellow are used a lot in food brands is because there's a psychology that stimulates food and hunger and uh, abundance, right? Green, green is for money and abundance. Um, banks, a lot of banks are blue. Why? It's about being trustworthy, about being, you know, longstanding, stalwart. Mm -hmm. And so, or brown. And then that's the other thing. I'm, I'm just talking about psychology within the U.S. and Canada. Because once you go international, there are certain colors that should not be used in certain brands, depending on mm. who the audience is. So mm. for example, I know this because I experienced this. I had an opportunity to go work in China for about uh, six weeks. We were told, do not wear brown. Do not mm. have any, do, don't have any materials that you're creating where there's even like a brown accent or huh. highlight. Why? It means 
you're untrustworthy. Wow. So it really depends. Um, and it's, and psychology is really important um, when it comes to picking the colors, what does it represent? So a lot of times when we're, and you even experience this, Nicole, when we're working with our clients, we just ask, what pictures are you drawn to? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel like it represents your brand? And then we even send pictures like, how does this make you feel? Tell mm-hmm. us which ones really you identify. The gift that you gave us is you have laser as your framework that mm-hmm. you help all these organizations have incredible success with because of that framework. And then, and then the acronym laser. So yes, when I saw you with um, blackboard <laughs> cool colors in a, in a classic schoolroom. And then you told me laser. I was like, lasers Doesn't are, <laughs> yeah. So let's, how does this speak? Right. Mm-hmm, and also mm-hmm. that's the last, it's about exploration. It's about trying things. If you don't have the budget to hire an expert, I would just say, again, the Googles educate yourself. It may mm-hmm. take you a lot longer where an expert can get things done for you in less time, but it, it's really important to understand what is what is the visual story that you are telling through your logo and your colors and your website and and then messaging will mm-hmm. then help understand what the the verbal story is. Yeah, it's all great because all the pieces of the puzzle help make the puzzle clear. <laughs> you know, any one you can have a, a really cute or fancy or whatever logo, but if that stands in isolation and is in potentially contrast to the rest of it, then you're, you're going to fall short from where your potential is. I look back a year ago versus now, and just having a new brand help to re-energize, not just me, but the team and the clients, it, it, you could feel the difference. Mm -hmm. I think I was looking at some of my notes too, about you changing your brand and, the name brand you think about is being seared in forever. And it's not necessarily locked in forever. You see the evolution of brands and sometimes it's successful as they try to evolve and sometimes not so much. I, I, I used to work for Tiffany a long time ago and, and they've been going through some interesting rebrand. Uh, you could see any of the blog posts or read comments in some of their social media posts to get a sense of where some of the disconnects might be from their established brand to the directions that they've gone over the past 20 years. So I think it's something that as we're thinking about brand and the measurement of it, that it's, it's information doesn't mean you have to change, but if it's needed, you'll know. And then you'll have the evidence as to why and what direction will help you be more successful. It's all iterative. It is. And um, I would say to the entrepreneurs out there that are building their brands, you have permission to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And if you, I say this to a lot to uh, the prospects who come sometimes. So for example, one of the biotechs we helped rebrand was they came to us because they were so, the CEO was so embarrassed to point people to his website to hire money, right? To get more money from investors. So the name was great. The logo was okay, right? It was passable. We did eventually elevate that. But first I was like, let's work on your messaging first. Let's roll out your website with updated messaging. 
And then in a 2.0, because we don't want to lose any kind of cadence that we have getting investors to invest in your biotech. So let's just upgrade your messaging. And sometimes that's all that a brand needs is a refresh in messaging that will unite the internal teams. Normally the, the, the three, the two teams that I see the most fighting are marketing and sales. They have two different ideas on how to talk about the company. Well, that's really important. Similar scripts, scripts that talk to different personas, very important. And then there's the scripts that the C-suite talk about, especially in fundraising, which will be different from what the sales people do or what marketing people do. So it could be messaging first. And then, you know, the 2.0 for that biotech was we then upgraded the colors and the logo to match the power of the words so that it really expressed the brand in a way that made it much more cohesive. And I love what you said. It does shift the, I think there is a shift in energy when Mm -hmm. your people internally understand a brand that they're now attracted to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it does then magnetize more monetization, whether that's soft skills, hard skills, retention, funding, revenue, it really does make a shift. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was almost jumping up and down. Thankfully, <laughs> this isn't audio uh, because the, the idea of not wanting to direct people to your website, that was one of my indicators that this brand didn't reflect the business as I wanted to. Not that it, it wasn't a, a fine website at one point in time, but it wasn't going to carry things forward in the direction that I wanted to go in. I think that's important. It's okay. It's like you said, you have permission to change your mind and the relief that's there, you know, it's amazing. So I, I would definitely encourage anyone and I'll put that's contact information in the show notes. Anyone who might've had that feeling, because now if this is multiple times, we're hearing one indicator of not wanting to show people your messaging, whether it's your website, your business card, your flyers, whatever it might be that your social media accounts, whatever it might be that you use to uh, share with external audiences. If you are hesitant to do that, that's probably sign. It's like, you know, you might need a new brand. You know, I think about all of those, you know, comedians that say you might need this, or you might be this type of person, but yeah, you might need to refresh your brand. If that's one of the things that is now getting in the way of your promoting your company, you mentioned about being able to summarize uh, or explain at a barbecue at some, you know, we're getting into summertime season and barbecues and we're going to be in a situation where somebody says, you know, what do you do again? That idea of an elevator pitch, and not a lot of us are riding elevators these days. If we're not, if we're working from home, we're not riding too many elevators, but we're going to be, maybe we need a barbecue pitch. So is that something that, you know, help us out? I know, I know you've got some experience there, maybe some resources you could share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe that when you are armed with knowing and owning your words, you can walk into any room or backyard with absolute confidence on being able to answer questions. And so one of the biggest things I see constantly is people will fumble with their answer when someone says, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people or people won't fumble, but they'll go into this really weird backstory of like, 
oh yeah, you know, my grandfather, when he got off the tractor and he wanted to make the hardware store in 1918, right? There's this back history where people will glaze over. So how do you- And the, the hamburger is going to burn here. Let's get this done. <laughs> right, right. So how do you take a very short amount of time to tell someone what is the problem? What do you do as the solution? And what is the result of that solution? The reason why it's called an elevator pitch, by the way, is because you have less than 30 seconds mm -hmm. to be able to compel someone to listen, maybe pique their curiosity, or even perhaps them asking you for your business card, your contact information. They whip out the phone. They're like, hey, text me your information, right? So really important. So there is a formula of doing a very powerful elevator pitch that I would love to offer your audience if you would like. Oh, yes, definitely, because that helped me. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll provide that. And it's, uh, it's so formulaic that once you, and it's a worksheet, once you go through it, it will make not only a lot of sense, but I have found that a lot of my clients seem to get over their hesitation and being able to talk about themselves in a very concise way that makes the other person cross from them, not start focusing on where's the lemonade. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I noticed that. I think that's another great way of measuring. If you, um, if you start explaining to someone and they start scanning the room, you lost them. If you could just even get it to a little snippet that opens the door a little bit and they say, Oh, tell me more. And when I say, Oh, we turn analytics into answers. There's a follow-up. How do you do that? And then the doors open and we can continue the conversation again, just that having that clarity so that you're not fumbling your words and giving the stepping off the tractor story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it also, what it does is it, it eases conversation. It magnetizes curiosity. And so I also find it to be a great weapon uh, since I was using armor before, a great weapon to overcome any kind of awkwardness when you're in a situation where you might not know everyone in the room. It You feel more in your body and able to carry a conversation just because you already know like, well, if I just told you what I do, because I just did it so well with my elevator pitch, <laughs> I mean, what you do, right? And then there's this curiosity that happens and conversation that might surprise you in ways where you discover that might be your next future client or referral or et cetera, right? It leads to a lot of different things. And being able to try that same uh, pitch a few different ways to see what lands the best and what gets the best response, what opens the door most, what engages people in a further conversation. Uh, it's a good little experiment. And we all love good field research as we're developing our <laughs> brand here. So I love it. I will put that in the show notes as well. It's going to be fairly chock full of goodness in the show notes. So make sure if you are driving or listening to this while you're on a treadmill, when you're done, <laughs> check out the show notes and uh, we'll have those links for you. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate your time. I know uh, there are a lot of people needing your help. I still always need your help and appreciate your support. So is there anything else you want to share with the audience or any uh, final thoughts you want to share? 
Sure. I will just say this, that I also know what it's like when you're grown, when you're scaling your business to feel behind and know that something like refreshing or elevating your brand is the next best step to start to magnetize the audience, your ideal clients, your ideal students, audience, et cetera. And feeling that behind the ball, if you do have the time and bandwidth and the investment in your budget, I think it is worth being able to invest in your, your brand and in yourself to do that. We uh, saw that so much that we developed a VIP day experience where within less than 48 hours of booking a call and us discovering if we are a really good fit, we'll knock out all your words, get them all out of your way within less than 48 hours. So you are armed with the words and then, and then you can at least go from there with your messaging, other work like brand identity and design and brand photography and even your brand commercial, a lot of clients after they've experienced that will want to engage in those future projects. But we all know um, we've gotten this from feedback that it all starts with the message, right? What are the words that I'm using? So I encourage you, um, if you don't have the budget, start with this work workbook so you can start building. And then if you do, I think it's really, it's an amazing return on investment. I mean, Ask Nicole. There's been great <laughs> yeah. return on investment for Nicole. Um, and you are uh, like a lot of our other clients that once you got laser focused on your words, <laughs> um, incredible things started to happen and magnetize. Yep, absolutely. I, I can't emphasize it enough, but I'm excited to be able to share those. I know the elevator pitch is that first step. And I think the timing is right for everyone as we get into the summer season and we're getting out and talking to more people. Uh, it's a good time to start testing your messaging and seeing whether or not your brand is uh, reflecting what you want it to for the, the world out there. So Beth, Thank you so much. Fortified Branding is the company. We will put all of us down again. Fantastic to work with. Amazing team. I can't say it enough. I'm so excited that you're here. Wish we can go on and on and on, but <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty more going on the rest of the day. And uh, we look forward to hearing everyone's updates. Feel free to, to ping us on Instagram and, and let us know some of your successes as you've tried some of the elevator pitch strategies. So thank you so much, Beth. Thank you, Nicole. This was wonderful. Thank you. Today, we explored the concept of a brand. Here are three takeaways so you can say, I did it. One, deliver an elevator or barbecue pitch. Does it communicate your brand message with clarity? Two, investigate what others know and feel about your brand. Is it time for a refresh? Three, don't hesitate to reach out to Fortified Branding for brand strategy and Alabreve for brand measurement help. It could be the energy boost needed to get your business or organization to the next level. Join us next week for a constructive chat about another cryptic concept because you can measure anything.